Hey everybody, welcome to the Web Cave. I'm the commander of Clap and Cheeks, Dan Hummer. I'm here with the big Bobino. Bobo, how the hell you doing? I'm doing all right. And I feel bad for whatever cheeks you're clapping, Daniel. Yeah, God help them all. <laughs> God help the cheeks. Uh, I, I don't blame you for feeling bad. I feel bad too. We got a big epi tonight. Uh, last last week we uh, talked about the DC couples. Today we're going to be doing Marvel relationships, friends, uh, relationships, some clapping cheeks. We're always good at these segues, but uh, there's a lot here. of going to be a lot of clapping on this list. So. Top 10 Marvel relationships tonight. That's going to be a fun one. We also got some comic reviews. We got the reading assignment. We switched the reading assignment up a little bit from uh, uh, the Infinity War since that got a little, uh, got a little much. The first one was good, but. We want to try to go a Marvel DC, Marvel DC every other week kind of thing. Keep it fair. That is fair. But instead of a big cosmic event, we went with something a little more a little more intimate, a little more just a single-person story. We went with Bart Allen's Flash. He only got 13 issues. We read the first six. The, the arc's called Speeding Bullets. We're going to be talking about that soon here. And, uh, yep. yeah, we've got, got a lot in store tonight. Uh, how was your week, Bobo? <laughs> it, it was pretty good. It was definitely pretty good. Got that Red Dark Crisis Warzone. We're going to review that here soon. I hope you didn't forget about that old book. I can't forget about that. Let's start and, uh, with that. I'm getting excited for this week, though. Next week, we got Ooh. some reviews for you guys next week. Boy, do we got some reviews next week. Boy, howdy, do we got some. You want to announce them? Hell yeah. Well, the main course is going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League movie review. Ooh. Going to go rewatch the epic Justice League movie. It should have been theatrically released, but Josh Whedon and Warner Brothers can really go fuck themselves. <laughs> and uh, Dark Crisis, uh, The Big Bang, which came out today. We are going to be reviewing that as well next week. Another huge event. Yes. That Another huge issue that just broke a lot of barriers in the DC multiverse. Take a key word out of the last sentence that I just said, and then go ahead and read Dark Crisis, Big Bang. Oh, shit. And then we're going to be reviewing the brand new issue number one of his new current ongoing series, The Invincible Iron Man. And then we're going to do issue number two of Planet Hulk Worldbreaker. And then the big one, the big one shot that a lot of us have been waiting for. The Batman versus Spawn crossover battle. Oh my God! I can't, dude. I'm just, I just want to read it right now. I mean, we got a show to do. <laughs> we got shit to do. Yeah. But I can't wait to read that fucking book. I've been waiting ever since it got announced at San Diego last year. I was so excited for it. Uh, Tom yeah, McFarland. I've been man. excited for it too. Dude, I would have gotten it today too if my local comic shop didn't make me wait till Marvel books for DC books to be released. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Uh, you got Capullo and McFarlane on this thing. Capullo's art is fucking phenomenal. I just opened the book real quick and I was like, oh my God. Uh, there's fucking like 15 different variant covers though. Jesus. It was hard not to get all of them, but, you know, 
We can't fucking. Huh? <laughs> we can't, we can't blow I'll be flipping through them. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta let me know which one you get. There's a and the just the basic one. There's even two of that because one is Spawn over Batman with Batman's ass kind of kicked, and the other one is Batman standing over Spawn. But uh, I want that one. Yeah, that one's pretty cool looking. Uh, the Batty over Spawn. Yeah, we got a got a lot of shit going on. Uh, you want to get into Warzone or? Yeah, let's get into that. How'd you feel about it? There's certain well, first of all, there's a lot of writers and artists on this fucking book, so I'm not naming them all. Cause, uh, there definitely is five different stories, five different yeah. authors, and five different illustrators, and then five different pencilers. Exactly, and to be honest, I thought the art kept a pretty consistent quality throughout the whole thing. I like the art on every besides, page. Yeah. Besides the Green Lantern one, I felt like the Green Lantern one dropped off, but I definitely agree that the art was pretty consistent throughout. Yeah, Guy Gardner looked a little fucking weird. That was a little goofy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. The art in that story wasn't amazing. But I liked all the stories mostly. I thought, you know, a good continuation with the Red Canary shit uh, from... I mean, I was shitting on it to you a little bit, though, because I don't, I don't really, I don't love the origin of Red Canary, and I don't like how she's really, and it's, like, she's on the cover of Lazarus Planet, bro, like, for the, all the advertisements and shit. She's one of the heroes on the cover, and it's like, oh, my God. And so I don't really love her as a new character, and I didn't love that story as much, but I thought the rest of them were pretty well done, fucking seeing Jim Corrigan again. The fucking Spectre is always a great time. He's one of the more underrated. It's so awesome. And the fact they did the end with the question mark, like they're alluding he might show up again soon. I thought he was great. Yeah, because uh, he almost binded with it again. Yeah, because he was trying to save because it was fighting against Raven. Yeah. And he didn't want Raven because he, I mean, the Spectre is one of the most powerful things in the DC universe. You don't want to, I mean, Raven don't fuck around either, but Spectre ain't a joke. That was one of my favorite stories. I liked him looking for this man, like, kind of freaking out, <laughs> trying to help her at the same time. I thought that was right. Uh, we kind of have different opinions because you enjoyed the Red Canary one, right? I enjoyed that story for what was included in the story, not necessarily because of Red Canary. I don't, like, I agree with you. I could really care less for her as a character. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. She's useless. Just like Damien said, she's constantly in the way and she's nothing but like a distraction or a nuisance <laughs> to the team. So like I agree with Damien on that, but everything else that was included in her story, I thought it was the best story of the five. Really? Yeah, because it brought Sideways and Damien and Red Canary and Power Girl back from more, the last tie in, Dark Crisis, um, The Dark Army. It ties in that tie and brings them right into this one. So this is, like, directly what happens after that. And, like, this shows you what Black Canary is doing after she came back when, when they're there. And then they're fighting all these monsters. And then Black Canary meets Red Canary. Kind of a a decent little scene, I guess. And then, like, Darkseid's out there throwing cards and shit. So, like, Darkseid's kind of in it, even though he's not physically drawn in it. 
he's still like included in the battle scene. Yeah. And like Doomsday's there. It's like I felt like it was the more involved story of the five. I mean, it was good. But I, I mean, will agree with you that I agree with you that the Raven and the Spectre story was a really big one. And like mm-hmm. it was definitely like a really, almost equally as good. I just felt like that the Red Canary one had more of like what else is going on in the war besides just Corrigan and the Spectre and Raven. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Actually, I don't disagree. I thought that was a good. Uh, it did have a little more like Corrigan. That one felt short. That only felt like a few pages. I'd have to go back and count, but. The the Spectre joint felt a little like whereas the Red Canary felt like one of the longer ones. And I don't know how many pages each one was, but uh, the yeah. Red Can- it did have a little more meat. It felt like it felt like there was a little more going on, and you saw where Sideways was doing. Robin fucking chastising her was my favorite part of it because I really don't like. And he's like usually, and I know he's just supposed to sound like a little asshole, but like he's telling the truth. He's like, you have no fucking business being here. You have no powers. You just dress like a fucking red bird, like an idiot, because you like Black Canary. And you're fucking in a battle with Dark Side. It's fucking the dark. Like, fuck you. Go on the bus and leave us alone. Like, I thought he, I thought yeah. he was telling, I thought he, I would have been like, yeah, Robin's right. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, Damien. But, I mean, I understand what they were trying to do. I don't really understand the character and why we're, why we're doing this. Because just because we have so many characters already, just feels like a weird time for an origin. But uh, and we have, she and obviously we have must play a big role then later on. Dude, like I said, she's on the cover. Like I flipped a page and she was on the advertisement for Lazarus Planet, so she definitely has a role somewhere. Uh, so I will give it a yeah. shot. Maybe it's the best shit ever, and I'm just being a fucking hater. So, uh, but right now it's just a little like really. Maybe she gets powers or something cool happens. It's just right now, it's just a little, little too bland for me. But maybe she already story, has powers and she's hiding it. Yeah. Maybe. maybe she's a different. Maybe she's a villain in disguise. Who knows? That's what I thought at first. Especially in the. Me too. I'm starting to sway away from that idea, but at the same time, I'm still kind of keeping it in the back of my mind because I, I don't know what the fucker is or why she's here. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, it was cool to see Stephanie Brown a little bit kick some ass. One of the bad girls. <laughs> Fucking Black Canary was in there. Uh, did you like the Amazon story in this? Yeah, that one wasn't bad. Only one I really didn't like was the was the Lantern one. I thought that one was pretty stupid. And I could honestly care less for Guy Gardner. Yeah. Uh, my like favorite. The art, huh? It was bad. The art yeah. wasn't good at all in that one to me. Yeah, it was bad. That was really shitty. Uh, I mean, there was a couple, like, because the Green Lantern Corps has done some cool shit in the event already. But this was like, eh. Uh, my favorite was probably, and I know you didn't feel exactly the same way, but my favorite was the two Flash Wives. I don't know. There's just I like Linda. I like Iris, and the fact that they're both or Linda had powers, and uh, Iris is just a badass. And the fact that they're fucking kind of dealing with the war 
while Barry while Wally's off finding Barry, I thought was kind of cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. I like that story a yeah. lot. I thought that beginning story was pretty badass. But overall, no, I think the book did did some good things. It, it told some it told some little war stories around the war, and I like having different creative teams, different artists, and shit. And different writers. I like the idea of kind of focus it. Like, give Spectre a little shine during this thing. Let's see what this person's doing. You know, so I like that aspect of it. And I like, like, everywhere in the war, you know, instead of just focused on one hero. Yeah. It kind of tied up a few loose ends before the finale comes out. Yeah, I agree. It It definitely did. It tied a few loose ends up. So I will give it a 7 out of 10 because I thought it was a decent enough book. Uh, the story, I mean, because it's such short stories too, you can't have too much meat in it. So there's not a whole yeah. lot, but there's just a little bit of here's what's going on. here's what's, And I do like that, but I, I'd probably I'd probably leave it at about a 7. I would agree. Around a 6 and a half, 7, yeah. Yeah. But that was... Uh, that was the war zone. Next week we'll be talking about the Big Bang, the other kind of epilogue tie-in here, and that'll be fun. Yep, and the week after the finale. The finale. Crisis number seven. My boys on the cover. <laughs> Let's see what's up, Dawn of the DCU, dog. Let's fucking get it. These new the books new coming up cool. Yeah, new beginning. Yeah, I got that preview book for tw- early 2023, and then the shit looks pretty good when it's coming out. Yeah, there's there's some really cool. I like both the Green Lanterns getting their own series. If you're a Doom Patrol yeah. fan, it's pretty cool. They haven't had a book in a while. Uh, yeah, there's some shit out. All right. Before we uh, get to the relationships and stuff, and even the reading assignment. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. This isn't going to be a big thing. I just want to ask you a question. All right, Bobo? One fucking question. Right. Well, a couple, couple questions. Uh, one, because the rumor mill has been spinning heavy. There's not really comic news to talk about, but there is a couple rumors. And I just want to ask, do you believe that this will happen? And do you are you kind of pissed off about it? The first one being Wonder Woman. Uh, three not happening, being canceled, and P- Patty Jenkins signing off. I agree and I disagree. Okay. I agree because Patty Jenkins, it's she's not that great of a writer. She did a really good job with the first movie. Second movie sucked really badly. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely don't think Patty should get another chance. I think I don't understand how you can make such a good first movie and then drop the ball so hard with the second one. I don't disagree. I honestly don't disagree. <laughs> I think it was a good move. It, it, honestly, if she leaves and she's being kind of petty because she doesn't want to uh, go with the flow for DC because she wants her own little thing for Wonder Woman, that's fine. Because you got to kind of fit into the universe now. And I know she's ne- that's never really been her thing. 
Are they get it? They're not doing another Wonder Woman movie. Well, the rumor is that it got scrapped, but I think Gal Gadot is going to stay on as Wonder Woman. I think that's always going to happen. See, that's that's where I'm starting to not agree with. If they canceled yeah. the movie and everything, and like just the production team and the idea of the movie's canceled, that's fine with me. But if Godot goes with that, and that's the end of Godot's performance as Wonder Woman, that's where I'm going to be upset, because who the fuck are you going to get to replace her? I don't think she'll leave. I really don't think she'll leave, and I don't think they want her to leave. I mean, Gal Gadot has fucking... Even that second movie wasn't that great, but people all around the world recognize her as Wonder Woman. Like, that is the character she's most known for playing as an actress. So far in her career. She breathed life into that character. Such life. And she's had a great career, but that role has been the role. And she fucking inspires little kids and shit. It's crazy. Uh, she can't leave. And I don't think they want her to leave. I think that part of the rumor is bullshit. I don't think Gail goes. I think Patty might go. And Gail might try to stand by her, but I don't think Gail goes. Uh, I hope she does. Yeah, me too. Other rumors that Man of Steel 2 isn't happening and Henry Cavill, they're, they're going to pluck him away. James Gunn doesn't want Henry Cavill. I, I'd say that's I already know. I already know that's not true. Yeah. I already know because of James Gunn's tweets the following day that the rumors about him not wanting Cavill are not true. False. He does want Cavill. Yeah. But the canceling of Man of Steel 2... Unless they're starting new and making a new Superman movie, I can see why they canceled it, and they're not trying to make it directly come off of the first Man of Steel. Yeah. I see why Gunn did that, and he's not... That part of it could be true, but I I know for a fact that him not wanting Cavill is false. Yeah, and I don't think that matters. Like, I don't... like. Henry Cavill just came back. They just announced that they put him in the end credit scene. He did the Instagram video. I don't see them getting rid of him now. I think he's fully fledged back. And I think Gunn's going to work him in. If it's not Man of Steel, Steel 2, that's fine. It can be anything. You can call it whatever you want. And it can be whatever plot you want to start from beginning. Even put a different Lois in. I don't give a fuck. But just keep Henry Cavill. I hope Cavill. they put a new Lois in. You're not an Amy Adams guy? No, I don't. Amy Adams is fine in any other movie she's been in, but she's a terrible fucking Lois Lane. She sucks. Yeah. But, but I mean, uh... As long as they keep Cavill, I don't care what they do with him. Like, like you said, like, make a new movie. Make a fucking Man of Tomorrow movie or make a... A New Hope or something like that. Yeah. Or, you, know, you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like, just... Another Superman movie? That's fine. Start a new trilogy from scratch. That's fine with me, but don't get rid of Henry. Yeah, something like that. But, uh, all right. Third rumor, Jason Momoa, after Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, is retired as Aquaman, done, and he will start his tenure as the last Kazarnian Lobo. <laughs> I disagree with that one. Do you think it's bullshit? He's a kind of a deep cut character. Oh. He's a bad. I mean, ass. I don't know if that's bullshit. I just hope it's not true. I have a little bit of a twisted. I have a twisted opinion on that one. I think he should stay as Aquaman. 
Jason Momoa is literally the only fucking human being on this planet that has made Aquaman a cool superhero. And you can't fight me on that or disagree with me or argue against me with that. He is the only man ever to walk this earth to make an Aquaman a cool superhero. It, actor, 100%. How are you going to get rid of that? I don't. I think they should keep him. But I also think that with the power of CGI and the various other methods of film today and makeup and all the other technology, he could also still be Lobo at the same time as being Aquaman. Coming from the comics, Aquaman and Lobo don't exactly come in contact with each other very often. It's very rare that those two will be drawn on the same page. So the fact that those two actually meeting in a movie together would be slim to nuts. So the, him being able to perform as both roles, I definitely see could work because Aquaman, like I said, he's the only one that can make Aquaman cool and make it a profitable movie, especially above a billion dollars for Aquaman. Yeah. Like how you exactly like how are you gonna recast the guy that made a billion dollars playing fucking Aquaman? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think, but no, definitely should be Lobo as well. I think he should be both. I don't disagree. I think you're spitting facts. I do think that uh, somebody else could do it, but I don't think they need to do it. I do think you could do it different, like a king, like a nice, like, especially like a Helmsworth. He basically did it with Thor. Like, you could get a fucking, like, long blonde hair, like, king of Atlantis. Like, you, you could probably do somebody else's Thor. Or not Thor, as Aquaman. But do you fucking need to? No. Like you said, he made a billion dollars, and... He's one of the seven. Like, when you talk about DC and they want to make this a franchise, they think this is the billion-dollar, like, this is the biggest brand at Warner Brothers, right? At least that's how they're talking. You're not going to throw away the lead actor of one of your big seven. Like, that's your top of your franchise. That's that's a trilogy right there. You're going to get rid of him before the trilogy's done. And He's one of the him. only DC movies to make over a billion dollars. Exactly. So that's why I think the rumor's complete bullshit. I don't think they do that. He might be Lobo at one point, but Lobo, you're not going to get rid of him as this franchise character that he's been, especially because Moa seemed pretty game and into the whole universe. You're not going to get rid of him to play a deep cut character that you're only going to get a couple movies out of. You can't exactly really like maybe two. Like Lobo's not a he's like a one. A one-and-done kind of character, maybe two or three, and then he's done. Like, exactly. You're not going to cut somebody out of the franchise as the, one of the main characters for someone that's going to get killed off. Exactly. I mean, like that's like you're giving an A-tier character away <laughs> for a, a B or a C. Probably a C. And I like Lobo. And Lobo's badass, and it would be cool. And Momoa looks exactly fucking like him. It would be the perfect person to play him. So I understand it. And even if they did, like, a 40-minute special on HBO Max where he plays Lobo, like, that'd be sweet. But Lobo's not, and he's done some universe things, but he's not the big guy in the events killing shit. He's crossed over with, like, Superman and stuff, but you don't get rid of Aquaman. Yeah, that. he's gone so. on a bounty hunt after Superman one time, and that was, like, a fucking 10-minute cut in one of the animated movies. Like, you're not going to, that's stupid to scrap the franchise actor to make him play that. Exactly. Hire somebody else to play Lobo, like, fucking... Hire like um, like Seth Rollins to play Ro- to play Lobo. I think you, you, you got to be thinking of Roman, Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Seth's a little like, guy. Like, like pick somebody like that to play Lobo. Not like if you're like 
If you're willing to cut Aquaman, like Jason Momoa, off his franchise role to do that, just keep Jason Momoa and have somebody who looks similar to Jason to play Lobo, like Roman Reigns. Momoa would be great. All right, last rumor, and then we're going on to the reading assignment. Pattinson's Batman gets put into the main universe. Do you think it's bullshit, and do you want to see it? I don't know if it's bullshit, but I don't want to see it. You think it's... You would rather see that nice, like, dark tone stay in its own thing for, like, a trilogy? I would... I would much rather we get Affleck back. Yeah. No, even if it's not the same older, dark, like Dark Knight Returns toned kind of Batman. Even if he plays a different toned Batman, I would definitely still prefer it be like his body and his voice than the suit. Pattinson's movie was really good, but like that already has its own established like spinoff universe onto it. And if this Flash movie comes out and it brings the multiverse to the DC movies, I feel like they should just keep Pattinson in his own world. I don't disagree. I mean, I think it'd be cool to see him, like, suit up with the rest of them, just to see how he fares. I don't, I don't think his Batman's up to par with everybody else. Like, that Batman, like, he's falling down because he can't handle the fucking, like, the flying on the cape. But that same Batman just whopped Superman's ass five movies ago? Yeah, it's not believable. Because he's a young Batman. And, like, if we're trying to go with an already established, like, I don't see it working. I definitely think we should have Affleck, or if not Affleck, pick somebody else. But I really would not like another recasting of Batman again. It's just Pattinson. Batman doesn't fit the league. It doesn't fit the universe. It doesn't, like... No. His persona as the character doesn't fit with somebody that has like chemistry with Diana or Superman. Well, yeah, he doesn't have a social bone in his fucking body. How is he gonna? I mean, that's kind of how Batman is in the comics, but I agree. I know, but when he's with the league, he's a little more open, and like everybody knows that. Read, pick up any Justice League comic. Everybody knows Batman's a little mm. more open when he's with the league than when he's just in Gotham. Well, that's why Batflack makes sense as the League Batman, and then let Pat to give, get his trilogy of movies. But uh, yeah, I think that was probably bullshit too. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to the reading assignment. Uh, speeding bullets, Bart Allen. You're the Flash is one of your favorite superheroes. Maybe not this incarnation. <laughs> no, Wally and Barry are definitely like. One of my favorite DC characters. So, I thought this would be an interesting take. Uh, we got six issues. The main villain is Griffin, I would say. The Griffin, his buddy who gets powers and has his green flame power and becomes fucking psycho. There's a lot of shit going on with Valerie Perez, his girl and stuff. And we see a lot of Jay Garrick in this. What did you think, Bobby? First two issues, I was not hooked on the story at all. I thought it was very low to mid-tier kind of story, first two issues. The artwork was fantastic throughout the whole six issues, I'll be honest with you. The art was really good. I agree. Great art. But, like, the story-wise, the first couple, I was not sold. I kind of had to force myself to keep 
chugging along. But then three, four, five, and six definitely picked it up, and it started to get a lot better. I didn't really like Griffin too much. Griffin was kind of a a stupid character. I, I don't want to say stupid, but not a great character. You didn't fuck with him as the villain? I didn't really fuck with Griffin that much. But Jay Garrick's inclusion, him being the only Flash left because the Speed Force is gone. This is after Final Crisis, right? Yes, this is right after. That's That was the only thing I kind of felt bad because you didn't have that context. But you know what happens. in No, it's Infinite Crisis. This is after Infinite Crisis. Okay. I believe. So, like, having the with the Speed Force being gone and everything, I thought that was really interesting. That's what really sold me on the on this arc was the whole information about the Speed Force being trapped and Bart Allen literally is the Speed Force, like it's trapped inside of him. That ship was so cool. like that's where Wally and Barry are inside of Bart. Yeah. Wasn't like that, that and now the next rest of this arc got they like to like break the Speed Force out so they get Wally and Barry back. Yeah, was, I thought that part was really cool. I thought that part was... I thought it was good shit. I also... You said you're not huge on Griffin. I Some of the stuff he did I thought was cool, and I thought him fucking up Jay was cool. Like, when you see Jay get, like, That's first hit with the green Like, that flame. was cool, but his his death was stupid. Griffin's death was stupid. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, like, he, he just did. used his powers at Rage, it missed Bart, and then he, like, aged too fast and died. But that was Because the every time he used his powers, he aged. That was the shtick, though. He was getting older and older. I just thought it was kind of, like, it was kind of a letdown, dude. Well, because I, I expected, thought was like, cool. this big climactic fight, because, like, Bart Allen's got the whole speed force inside of him, so I expected this huge theatrical fight, but he just dropped it. <laughs> well, what I was like, I didn't understand when it ended. I was like, wait, so that whole shit with Inerta and fucking Moda, like they're setting that up for later. Like I thought that was going to wrap up too in this arc. So yeah, I, was, I did too, so, to be honest. When I ended it, I, like I was like, what the fuck? There's not more story. And then I see Inerta on the fucking cover of the next one. It's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like this is like... If I bought this in trade, I'd probably be a little pissed off. <laughs> like, I got, like, it kind of sets up that, I mean, that's what comics do. It sets up shit, but it kind of set up a whole different arc in the middle of this and then never really paid it off. Kind of just, so that's a little, that was a little annoying. But it also, I thought the battle with Griffin wasn't terrible, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the fact that Bart saved him. And then he was like, why? And he's like, like, you'd be the hero you want to be if you knew why. Like, I thought that was a good line. And I thought, but like, by the end of this, I was like, Bart actually came into his own. I, that's how I felt. I did. I kind of had faith in the kid. I was like, I would read more of this at this point. I agree with you. Those first couple issues, it was like, it was a little too much set up. And it was also, he didn't really suit up as the Flash yet. Like, he wasn't being the Flash yet. He was just kind of just fighting it, the shit. So yeah. but once he became the Flash, and then especially at the end, and when Jay's like, like it was hype when Jay's like, dude, you, you proved it. You you've been the fastest. You're the fastest man on the planet. You're the fucking Flash. Like I was like, oh, like he's the Flash. I thought it was pretty cool. It's like, I thought he filled those shoes in the last couple issues, and I would yeah. have read more of it. 
I would, I mean, it goes 13 and then they kill him. Poor fucking guy, but. Um, I might finish the arc later on. I mean, I don't have anything else to read after I read all of this week's new drops. Yeah. I might finish it out yeah. the rest of the seven. Yeah, I would. I thought, uh, yeah, because he dies in issue 13, the rogues kill him. But uh, I I do want to read, and I want to see how that happens. Because it's kind of like, I, I thought they were setting What's up? No, you're good. good. You got I thought they were setting up, setting him up pretty good. Like I thought, like he could have a, a potential run as the Flash. Like it's like okay, okay, Wally and Barry are gone, and Bart's got to be the fucking guy for a little bit. And it was like, like you said, the art was fantastic, and I was just kind of sold on it after. Like I was like, wow, he's actually like this is kind of badass. I don't think I agree. Griffin was kind of a mid tier villain, and like there's a reason we haven't seen Griffin again. You know, like. He's kind of a one-off in this one story, uh, but I, I yeah. didn't hate it either. I thought it was an all right. Like, but the, at the end, I'm sorry, bro. It's like really, dude. <laughs> it's like you're yeah, yeah. fucking melting to death. I'm sorry, bro. But I, uh, I, I liked, and I like Jay getting fucked up a little. I like Jay as the father figure because Jay Garrick's fucking classic. I know Barry and Wally are your guys, but you got to have a little love for the Golden Age Flash. Oh, for sure. And just the fact, like, I love him in that dad role to all of them. So the fact that that's what he was here, I thought it worked immensely. Overall, I would give this series, uh, I'd probably go a 7 out of 10 again. I thought, like, it's not the greatest, but it's also, like, it sets up some shit. And I thought it did a pretty good job at establishing like a new hero out of like somebody who was only on like young justice and shit. Like impulse wasn't really a high tier character and to kind of turn him into the flash for a little, like I thought they did a pretty good job at it. All right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I give it a seven out of 10 as well. I would agree. That's what I was just about to say a minute ago. It didn't sell me at first, but the ending was pretty well, or at least for this part of the arc. And it's, like I said, I'll finish reading the rest of the 13 issues and see uh, see where the rest of the story goes. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. So there you go, Bart Allen. <laughs> one of the more, the, probably the most underrated run of The Flash of all time. He's the one guy that's one worn the, I mean, he's the one that's worn the mantle that no one probably knows or doesn't have a very big recollection of it. I mean, it's literally only 13 issues. It's nuts. Uh, yeah. Besides the main Flash, like Wally, Barry, and Jay, like, I like Kid Wally a lot. Wallace. Kid Flash is okay. He he comes in in the new 52, and he is all right. But He's, After re- Rebirth and Forward, uh, Wallace is pretty cool. Really? Yeah, like in the Rebirth era, like the it, with all the Kid Flash and the Titan, the Teen Titans, and the in the Rebirth era, and then him being in the Flash's solo series is, is actually really good. Y'all yeah, check out more Wallace. Uh, or more Wallace. You want to announce the reading assignment for next week? Well, Do it's you your, it's your pick. It is. So uh, another Marvel oh. one. What are we doing? It is about? the 
five issue miniseries, World War Hulk of 2007. That's right. I can't fucking wait, man. Hell yeah. World War Hulk, we're going back on the Marvel side. And for actually for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be on the Marvel side. So fucking DC fanboys, fuck out of here. I'm just kidding. Everybody can stay. <laughs> we're we're going to be hitting some Marvel as we uh, we hop into our top we gotta 10. we got to hit with the Marvel this week and a little next week because next week's mainly DC. I was about to say you because you, you wanted to do the league the and then we're doing Dark Crisis after. So, we yeah, we got to hit some Marvel. Hit up. Give the Marvel fans what they love. We might do another Marvel reading assignment if we do Dark Crisis. Because that's already a big deal. Yeah, we probably will. Uh, but let's let's fucking hop into it, man. Top ten Marvel relationships. Friendships, couples, whatever. You want to start it? You want me to give it a start job? I'll give it a, you can give it a start job, dude. All right, I'll give it a start job. I'll uh I'll start with and I know this one's probably gonna shock uh shock you a little bit, but I went with a friendship and I went with two men who beat a lot of ass together and uh are very good buddies and both like to chill in a big suit of armor. I'm going with Iron Man and War Machine. There you go. Uh, I'm starting to get into Iron Man more lately. I, even though I've never been a huge fan, and I've always thought War Machine's a badass, and those two together are just fucking awesome. And I mean, just one Transformer suit of armor beating the shit out of people is cool, but why not have two? And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a fun friendship, you know. And Tony's kind of this fucking you know, playboy funny type and War Machine's a little more, you know, strict and play by the rules a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of a fun dynamic. And, you know, War Machine's kind of got to help save Tony's ass on more than a few occasions. So it's yeah. a good time. It's my number 10, big dog. Who you got? It's a good one, huh? I got a little on the, on the darker side of Marvel. A little oh, shit. couple of baddies. I have, uh, this is a love interest relationship. They have been together and they have also not been together. Uh, this is the evil giant purple titan, Thanos, and Lady Death. Oh, shit. As we just to reiterate a little bit on the last reading issue, or the reading assignment for last week, the uh, Infinite, Infinite Gauntlet arc that we read. The entire time he was doing all of that was to show an excessive vast of power to show off for Lady Death to impress her so she would fall in love with him. Isn't that fucking nuts? It is. And, like, there's been incarnations where they have been together and they have loved each other and he's done all that shit to keep her love. Yeah. Thanos will do anything for Lady Death. I mean, this is another twisted one. So you're a twisted man, Babo. Uh, Thanos and Lady Death are are, are quite the couple. <laughs> I mean, he's got, she's kind of she the, the definition of playing hard to get. And no matter what a man does, <laughs> it's never enough. The, the man fucking built shrines to this woman 
fucking conquered planets. And she still turned on his ass. So, uh, no, all jokes aside, though. I mean, it is a, it's a brutal couple. And when they're on the same page, oh, my God, man, you know. But uh, Thanos just has to keep trying to woo her. It's a good pick. That's your number 10? That is my number 10. What's your number 9? I've got a good one for number 9. I went with another friendship. And I went with two of my favorites. Out of the oddball group I like to call the Guardians of the Galaxy, I had to go with Rocket Raccoon and Groot. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Honestly, my favorite brotherhood in the entire Marvel Universe. They're so fucking dope together. Uh, just this little fucking bastard squirrel just talking shit and being a fucking little fucker, and then yeah, he's like a little adorable. Not squirrel. Not squirrel. I, I'm a fucking dipshit for that. I apologize. But fucking Amer- America's favorite. Well, Squirrel Girl. We could talk about Squirrel Girl, but she fucking sucks. Oh, fuck, fuck that bitch. Uh, but Rocket Raccoon, this little fucking adorable... But he's a little shithead. And then you got Groot, this big fucking tree. And it's just like, they're two dudes, but the only word I can think of is fucking adorable. Because even like baby Groot, because you just see him, you're like, aw. And like when Groot fucking dies at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, I damn near cried, Bobby. I damn near was in fucking tears. And even just reading the books, they're a fucking, they're a bomb-ass duo. One of them can barely even talk, but it doesn't matter. They're fucking best of friends. I mean, Drax is cool. There's dynamic with them too, but those two are just like fucking, you don't really think of one without the other. And I think that makes it a fucking, probably the most, uh, beautiful friendships. And especially in comics, when you can't really utter one without thinking of the other one, you know, that's a friendship. And that's what they're doing. I agree with you, Dan. Hell yeah. Never hear that very often. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking take it. Uh, you're number eight, Bobo. Or nine. nine. Right. I number nine. I went with a family relationship. These two are family. It's not love. It's not creepy. It's eight in Alabama. <laughs> actually, it's not even in America. I'm actually going out to the hidden country of Wakanda. For uh, old King T'Challa and his uh, lovely, extremely intelligent sister, Shuri. Yeah, I mean, this is a great relationship. Out of everybody in the Marvel Universe, even though the, these two, I feel like, have the closest relationship of anybody else. The only other couple I would put up in contention for Shuri and T'Challa would be Pepper Potts and Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But if you think about it, I mean, Pepper and fucking Tony kind of run a business, and that's great. But fucking Cherie or Black Panther, his little sister, they run a fucking country. <laughs> yeah. That's an important relationship when they can run a fucking country together and do a pretty good job at it. Yeah. Definitely. No, it's a great Definitely game. a pretty good relationship. It's very strong. Very, they both would die for each other kind of relationship. It's definitely a good, definitely a very good relationship. Very strong. Uh, 
Absolutely. All right. <laughs> is it already number eight? It is. I went with another uh, kind of friendship. I, I'll get into the love soon. Don't worry. Don't worry, Bob. I'll get into the love. We'll get we'll get the heroes clapping soon, but and this one actually does get lovey dovey sometimes in the comics, depending what comics you read. Uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow. There you go. Mostly because of their friendship, but they have gotten romantic. I mean, not only are they fucking pretty good buddies in the MCU, but in the comics, these these two go back. And Clint and Black Widow have always been very very close. Being two Avengers without powers will do that to you. So right. they fucked with each other hard, and sometimes they they clapped. So it has been cemented a few times. They have clapped. They, even in the six one six, they've gotten together. I don't think they currently are, but they have, and they definitely have an Elseworld shit. So they're not Elseworld, whatever the Marvel calls their shit. But it's it's a pretty good relationship. And it you know it gets intimate sometimes, but also it's uh, sometimes it's just them having each other's back. So yeah, I, I had to go Hawkeye and the Black Widow. That's a good one. Oh yeah. All right, I, got, I think I got a good number eight as well. All right. Well, what do you get? This one I did this last week, but I'm not doing this in the same like standards. I did Batman and Joker last week. Because of the rival, the rivalry, how they need each other, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm doing it again this week, but not in the same way. Not as like a villain to a hero needing each other to stay sane, kind of thing. But more of a mentorship. Okay. Of like an intelligence level, and I went with Doctor Otto Octavius and Peter Parker Spider-Man. That's a good one. Dr. Octavius, outside of both of their super suits and being their true selves, they are Dr. Otto Octavius is an extremely huge mentor and influence on Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, Doc Ock is one of the reasons why Peter is in the science industry to begin with. It's because of Otto Octavius. Yeah. That's definitely, like, a really good relationship because those two are like very close mentor student relationship until the machine that Doc Ock wears obviously to get his tentacles makes him go fucking insane. But before that point, those two are very, very close with each other and they have a very, very good mentor to student relationship. Yeah. in every incarnation comics, even not just Spider-Man two, you know, it's every incarnation of these two, Peter starts as like being his protege in a way. And yep. it, it, it's a very good story and it's very interesting. It's one of the reasons Dr. Octopus is such a good villain. Uh, so I, I don't hate that pick whatsoever. I think that's a great pick. They de- definitely have a mentorship thing going on. Oh, for sure. Who's your number seven? My number seven, I went with more of a traditional couple here, and I went with Thor and Jane Foster. Because there there's, there's something romantic and there's something nice about this fucking god. There's just a, a literal god. <laughs> like, 
the fucking man, like, he's a god, and he's Thor, and he's the fucking son of Odin, and he's just this badass motherfucker with fucking big-ass hammer. I'm not going to say the hammer's name, because I don't want to get more to call in and yell at me, but, uh... Fucking the the hammer's badass, he's badass, and then you have this girl that brings it brings him down to earth. You know, and she she's the only person that can really, you know, get that human side out of him. You know, we've seen yeah. Thor without her. And he's fucking weird. He's a fucking wild man. But it's with, not as strong, but it's definitely got some Lois Lane Clark Kent vibes, but it's obviously not as strong as the relationship, but you definitely see where they got their influence when they wrote that relationship. Absolutely. It's up there. And there's a, a couple other Marvel ones that are reminiscent of that that I will be talking about later, too. But these two, they definitely have that. To me, it's a little more because Clark's kind of so focused on saving people as where uh, Thor's running a kingdom most of the time. Or I mean, he of course, he's got to save people. He's in the fucking Avengers, but... He, she brings him, he's got this childlike, even in the comics, he's got this childlike stature to him in a way, this innocence. And she always kind of brings him down to the surface and she kind of brings him back to earth. And there's just something about that. Like he he can get a little arrogant too, but he's not arrogant around her. And I don't know, I just find it to be a nice couple. It's not. I like it when it's oh, like someone. Yeah. It doesn't have to be equally as powerful all the time. No, I agree. So, yeah, that's my number seven. All right. What's Bobo cooking? Number on? seven. Yes. I went with a partner relationship. These two are partners. They uh, definitely uh, delve a little bit into the the mystic arts. One of them we've been seeing quite frequently in a lot of Marvel Disney Plus TV series. Uh, that is Doctor Strange and Wong. <laughs> very, very funny, very funny duo. They've been partners together, dating all the way back into the '60s when Wong was introduced. Yes, they've all been like Batman and Robin, but not. So, father, son, like more like partners. They're definitely they're I've they're really one of the better partner relationships in in Marvel comics. Like right up there with War Machine and Iron Man. And they oh. both swap titles of both being Sorcerer Supreme. So they they're both equally as powerful as each other. The Strange might be more powerful than Wong, but they both possess the power of the master, the master sorcerer. Wong's the fucking man, and in the, I mean, in the MCU, he's like the new Nick Fury, for God's sakes. That motherfucker's in every movie. <laughs> I know. Whenever you look, you're seeing Wong. Uh, no, it's uh, it's incredibly, that's a badass duo. And, and they're funny together, too. I like Wong and Stretch. Me, too. All right. All right. No. Yeah. Number six. I went with the unique one. Because uh, I went with one that we kind of just saw, like, <laughs> recently. And I just started kind of diving deep into it. And I went with the friendship here. And this isn't an iconic one. 
but it is to me, and I think it's going to grow to be a one. And I had to go Wolverine and Spider-Man. Because <laughs> once we started talking about them, and especially the Wolverine episode, I went back and I've looked at some shit. And these two are fucking hilarious together. Uh, I, I highly recommend that series. I, uh, Whenever they show up together, they're fun. They've been, like, they were on... They were in panels together on fucking Infinity God. They were together. Yeah. They team up and all the time. They team up all the time. And Wolverine's this badass, you know, I'll kill anybody, whatever to do the, to get the mission done. And then you got Spider-Man that's like kind of a, a goody two-shoes. It's like he, he's not like that at all. It's like, an even, it's like an even more fucked up and innocent version of the world's finest and it's just very funny and interesting to me and I think I'd like to see way more stories with these two because they're awesome together it's not a a fucking like a Bucky and Cap thing or but it's fucking it's too bad and these are two marquee heroes too these are two fucking big like sellable names so yeah I like them together it's a good one I love those two. They're my two favorite Marvel characters. I love it when those two are together. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that literally is your one and two. All right, my number six. I went with a traditional love story that's been around forever, but has not been brought up in the MCU, to my knowledge at all. Uh, that would be old Bruce Banner, the Hulk, and Becky Ross. She was, in, uh, she was in Norton's, wasn't she? Was she? Yeah, she was in Norton's. I don't think she showed up in, uh, what's his name, in, uh, with Ruffalo at all, but I'm pretty sure she was in Norton's Hulk. But that's neither all right. <laughs> Yeah, right. But, it's, but It's a great couple. That's that's like the traditional. That's like that's one of the one of their first couples dating back into the comics. Like that was soon after Spidey and Gwen and Spidey and MJ and like Reed and Susan and couples like that. Like Bruce and Betty were one of the first. And Bruce has never really had many other love interests. It's usually always been Betty. I mean, besides the mother of Scar on the on Sekar, the planet. But that's not Bruce's girl. That's Hulk. Yeah. And to be honest, this is the most compelling pick on this list, on both of our lists. This is because every man, and it's almost the most relatable too, because every man has felt like the Hulk at some point, has felt like a bad, like, hey, control their anger, they're pissed, they're ready to fucking destroy everything in sight. And then they have that, you know, that heart, that side of them that tells them, you know, that that female that tells them, you know, that brings them down and brings them down to earth and can make them human again, you know. And it's it's that classic story. And she's like, I was kind of talking about it with Thor, but it's way more prominent with these two. Like Hulk's like fucking going nuts and he's the Hulk and the only one that can bring him back to Bruce. Fucking. Patty. Is is Betty? Betty they definitely didn't do that in the MCU because they made Natasha be the one that that calms the Hulk down. Yeah, well, and that was yeah they did that, but 
Betsy, that's his love interest. That's what brings him down. That's what that's what stops him from going ape shit. And that's a that's a hell of a. They did fucking tease that with uh, Black Widow a little bit. But yeah, with the whole the sun is the sun is falling or something like that, or for whatever that little lullaby she'd sing to him. Yeah, that would come. I don't even, I think that was like an MCU, like they, they introduced that. I don't think that's a comic. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did, they introduced that. That's what I'm saying though, they've kind of refrained from the whole Betty Ross relationship and like just kind of ignored it, just kind of made Bruce be alone. Yeah, yeah but they kind of, re- but until She-Hulk came out, they've always acted like Norton's Hulk never happened. They yeah. just recently made Norton's Hulk canon. In the, the first shitty Hulk movie, Betty was there, and then Edward Norton, Edward uh, Betty was there, getting Tyler's daughter. And then they just let Betty go, and they made a love interest with Black Widow. Yeah, she was Black Widow kind of fucks a lot of people. <laughs> she gets around. There's times where she's been with Tony, she's been with Bruce, she's been with Steve, she's been with fucking. She has Hawkeye. She's been with all of the Avengers. I'm pretty sure the only one she hasn't bagged is Thor. We gotta make that happen. <laughs> She's gonna fuck Thor. She's gotta fuck Thor. She's gonna fuck Thor. Alright. Are we on five? We are. Number five. Come up with your favorite. Uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> oh, there you I go. Think, I think it's a it's a very nice couple. It's it's so batshit and out there, just like this fucking evil sorceress, fucking kind of hot chick banging this robot. <laughs> uh, but it banging works. this robot. She's just fucking this robot all night long, and you know, good for him. And R two D two is clapping them cheeks, and it's great. And Vision's a cool character. Uh, those two together, he's he's her happy place. You know, all she's ever dealt with is trauma, and that's why she's always been a villain. And whenever she's not a villain in the comics, it's because Vision's around. If Vision's not around, Wanda's a fucking villain. It's just a straight heel. Uh, but when Vision's around, she's more hero, anti-hero, on the side of good. More akin to what you see in the MCU. But those right. two together, I mean, you can't really think of Vision without Scarlet Witch. Uh, that that couple kind of transcends. Not only is it one of the like a major focus of one of the biggest blockbuster franchises of all time, but uh, it's also a pretty pretty deep in the in the comics too, where these two are are very romantic. And people were waiting. Like I feel like they were blue balling us in the movie. We were just waiting for her to fuck this robot. So, yeah. All right. All right. My number five. Yeah. All right. Four of my five left that are left that love interests. Oh geez, you're clapping a lot of cheeks in the top five. Um, we got a lot of cheeks to clap for the rest of this episode. Oh God. But not this one. I have a love interest this time, but my next one's a friendship. 
uh, my current one, uh, a love relationship that has been in the comics but hasn't really been made popular and really made known uh, until the start of the MCU and throughout and all the way through Endgame. And that would be uh, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. Tony is a very troubled man. He's an alcoholic. He's incredibly intelligent and deals with stress and anxiety and depression. That's why he drinks himself to sleep every night. And he has that really he has that really bad heart issue where he has to have that fucking spark reactor or whatever the hell that thing's called in his chest for the rest of his life. And with all the shit he deals with as being Iron Man, he's his, his grounding. He's the one who tells him that he's doing good and it's not for nothing. It's worth it. Yeah. No, she's she's the only one that can get him to get away from his work. You know, he's a very focused, driven man. And it, all he cares about is fucking inventing and shit like that. And that's why he falls so deep in alcoholism. And, you know, Pepper's that yep. one shining light for him. So it's a very cute story. It's a very, it's a different type of love story too. It's not traditional. It's nice. It was, and it was a good I way to kick off the franchise. Actress that played Pepper. What's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow and RDJ did an absolutely phenomenal job portraying the relationship between those two. They did. I mean, having Pepper in that final battle was absolutely ridiculous, and I stand on that rock to this day. But it was pretty ridiculous. But like, I get it. It's literally the end of the world. They need everybody they can get. Yeah, but someone's got to watch the fucking kids. Or the kid. Uh, yeah, what do you think Happy Fatass was at? Huh? I said, where do you think Happy Fatass was at? He was watching Tony's kids. He's directing the movies. That too, but his badass is back on Earth watching the kid. And he's like, oh yeah, Tony will be back in a minute. And that's, that's a good I can't point. wait to clap at you. To clamp, to clap Aunt May's cheeks when Tony gets back and picks you up. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, no, this is a great one. I, it's a, it's a good romance. And it started the whole franchise. Isn't that nuts? That's the first love story yeah. in the MCU. I mean, besides Edward Norton, yeah. what's in it? But. Like the like, come on. When we think of real, like Iron Man's that first movie is like we can acknowledge Hulk all day, but it, it really fucking kicked off with Downey and yeah. and fucking Paltrow. So yeah, they and they made it work for like fifteen years. So that's crazy. But in the comics, good relationship. Good relationship. All right, I got more of a deep cut one for my. What are we at four? For my number four. Yep. I got more of a deep cut one. I got another couple. And I went with Medusa and Black Bolt. And it might be the most powerful couple on this list. I don't know if I go that far. (laughs) It's a pretty powerful couple. Uh, And the two leaders of the Inhumans. And Black Bolt is king, you know. And that's queen by his side. And he fucking runs. The Inhumans are a badass little sector of Marvel that doesn't get... Uh, talked about enough because of one shitty TV show. The Inhumans are actually pretty fucking cool. Black Bolt's the fucking man. I've really gotten into him recently. And Medusa 
That's a badass chick, bro. And uh, she's right by his side. And they'd be running shit. So I really like that couple. Uh, her and her fucking her long ass hair. And uh, him fucking being able to, you know, obliterate a whole country with his voice. Very true. I, uh, yeah, it's more of a deep cut one, but fucking Inhumans need need a little love. Hey, okay, Medusa Black Bull. That's a good one. It's not one I expected. Uh, number four. I'm going to kind of counteract what you said earlier about Marvel's version of the world's finest. Okay. That's a great runner-up. I don't agree if this is Mar- that that's Marvel's version of the world's finest. Uh, my best friend's relationship that I have, I think, is Marvel's version of the world's finest, and that is Steve Rogers, Captain America, and Tony Stark, Iron Man. That's fair. That is fair. They uh, have been the bestest of friends and have fought side-by-side side and have had some of the best stories together, and they have had huge events where they have fought each other. Just like Batman vs. Superman, there was Marvel Civil War. It's yeah. the same concept. They've had the same kind of relationship. I definitely feel this is definitely Marvel's world's finest iteration. They've had their ups and downs, and still at the end of the day, they're still the strongest of friends. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, that is the two marquee characters. Batman is very, or Iron Man's very Batman-y. Except a, a little more light and Captain America and Superman. You can obviously make the connection. Uh, I, I definitely see it. But I also, and it's the two the, the two big guys. But I mean, also the same thing with Spider-Man and Wolverine. But Captain, Captain Iron Man, I do think of them usually more uh, as, not as rivals, I guess. I just feel like they butt heads a lot. But I mean, so does the world's finest. Who the fuck are we kidding? So, but exactly, they've as the Avengers, they've saved the planet and all their planets numerous times. So who the fuck can argue with that? It's obviously a great friendship. They've probably gotten the most done out of any friendship on this list. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, how would, I have one so, relationship that I would argue has done more than Cap and Iron Man, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Quit jumping the fucking gun, dude. Uh, no, but this is great. I, I, I agree. Fucking Iron Man and Cat run shit. Number three, I'm going to have to go with an underrated friendship. Probably one of the most underrated friendships in Marvel. Two men that invented the heroes for hire, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Just because... Hell yeah. That, that old saying, man, opposites attract this kung fu ninja master <laughs> fucking prodigy... Danny Rand and this fucking Harlem ass kicker, fucking no nonsense, beat, man. beat the shit out of you, just a real one, dude. Luke Cage, dude, and them together is just fun. And it's like you always, he always, even if it's unrelated to each other. Like I remember one of my favorite Immortal Iron Fist. Luke Cage still shows up, and that's more of a Danny Rand personal story. And Luke Cage still shows up, because he's his best friend. And he shows up, and he's like, yo, do you eat today and shit? He brings him fucking Chinese and stuff. Like, 
that that's when he's showing up in your individual book just to bring you Chinese food. That's your fucking homie. <laughs> like yeah, he's got right. each, they got each other's back. They started the Heroes for Hire. Like I was debating uh, putting Luke and uh, obviously Jessica Jones because they have such a a good relationship uh, as a couple. But I just I I enjoy the friendship in the Heroes for Hire a lot more, and I enjoy these two and. Danny Rand and Luke Cage are a couple of real ones, completely different, and it's fun to see them whoop ass next to each other. Oh yeah, Netflix did an all right job of portraying that, but not not amazing. I thought that Daredevil series and Punisher series were really good, and the Defender series was good, but Iron Fist and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's solo series kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. But uh, my number three, <clears throat> very classic, one of the first love relationships in Marvel. This is going way back to the 60s. And that would be Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and Gwen Stacy. It's a good one. That's their traditional Spidey's very first love. A lot of people think that's MJ, but that's actually not. It's Gwen Stacy. This is the first. Spider-Man's first true love. Which is nuts, yeah. because I don't only see Mary Jane as the girl for Spider-Man. I can't see Gwen Stacy. Well, yeah, because they didn't marry first in the movies. But, I mean, and they've Gwen, done Mary a lot more than, than Gwen in the yeah, comics because they Gwen. killed her. Well, yeah, because Gwen's been fucking dead for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gwen fucking died and it was over. I mean, you get Spider-Gwen, you get a little bit of other shit, but I mean, he is, that's his first love. And from the 60s to the fucking, what, uh, late 80s, early 90s, I forgot when that story got published, but fuck it, she was the one and she was his girlfriend. And, you know, they were in high school together for 20 years. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> And they were a good, I mean, that's your ideal teenage couple. Like, that's your teenage version. I mean, obviously the iconic one, I'm sure, is coming up. <laughs> and, but this is still this is still a really good pick and a good, and, uh, and a model couple for Marvel because, and it also represents when shit goes south and, like, you lose everything. You Like, it represents something way more, too. And it's kind of a tragic, and something that Marvel's kind of built on is, kind of relatable stories and tragic and stuff and bad shit always happening to you and fucking him losing his girlfriend like that and it kind of being his fault like that's something that made Peter the man he is today and that and Spider-Man like he needed all that to grow and that's a big part of his care like you won't no one's gonna describe you Peter Parker's comic history and leave that part out and that's how big it is it's exactly. always going to be talked about in the history of Spider-Man. So, yeah, great couple. All right. Yeah, right. Ready for your number two? Number two. Number fucking dose. Okay. I had to go. I had to go with the traditional one. I had to go with kind of a romance one. And I had to go with Captain America and Peggy Carter. Because that, to me, that's my Superman and Lois. That, that, that's my Superman and Lois for uh, Marvel. 
That's my I I love and Peggy on her own, absolute badass. <laughs> Captain America on his own, absolute badass. And she also she brings her heart to and she's not that she's like the lowest that's not the damsel in distress. She's a little more of a fucking a go getter than Lois. She's a little more not that and Lois has been written to be very much a go getter too, but like Peggy fucking goes after it. She's an agent for God's sake. Like she she don't fuck around. She's worked with the military, obviously. Like she's she's her own woman. She doesn't need Cap, but Cap will always be there for her anyway. And they're in deep love. And it's just it's a nice story, you know. Yeah. It's a deep, deep love. Yeah. I like in the movies how instead of going back and doing what he was supposed to with the stones, he got to enjoy himself with Peggy for a while. Isn't that so fucking sweet? It's so nice. Okay. I like how Marvel. That you. Yeah, you leave that movie with a smile because of that. Even though he's gone, you're like, oh, Captain America's gone forever. Fuck. But you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like at least he got to live his life with Peggy like he always fucking wanted to. He got his happy ending. So it was very nice. Uh, that is, that's my number two. That's a good number two. All right. My number two. <laughs> I would say is probably Marvel's biggest relationship between one of the most powerful people in the Marvel Universe and one of the strongest women in the Marvel Universe. And this woman also happens to be the very first female Marvel superhero of all time. And that is Reed Richard, Mr. Fantastic, and Susan Storm, Invisible Woman. Yeah, this is one of the first relationships in all of Marvel. This is the first relationship in all of Marvel. The first one. And she's the first woman, she's the first female superhero written in Marvel comic books. That's a good one, baby. This is one of the biggest relationships that has never been separated in the Marvel Universe. They've never been apart. They've never been divorced. They've never been not without each other. It's always been Reed and Susan. They've always been together. Yeah. And they're the two biggest ones in the Fantastic Four. They're the heart and soul of the group, too. Oh, yeah, they're the heart and soul, because, like, the thing in Human Torture just fun and cool heroes and cool powers. And those two are, like, the emotional part of it. Human Torch, I mean, has a lot more depth to that. Human Torch is the first Marvel character ever written. He has depth, yep. but if you do read a lot of Fantastic Four comics, he does get regulated to comic relief a good amount of times. He does, but he also has a lot of story because him and Visible Woman are brother and sister. Susan and Johnny are brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans yeah, first him and him, him, Namor, and two other people are Marvel's first superheroes. Yeah. Namor has been kind of both. And they've stood the test of time. They're, getting, they're, they're finally entering the MCU soon. We will see this iconic couple very yep. soon. I'm going to say very soon. It's in the next few years. but Not like in five years. <laughs> very soon. But they're going to play a big part in the next phase, so. Oh, yeah. 
big couple. They're doing Secret Wars and Secret Invasion. Or I mean, the Kang Dynasty. Like they kind of need Mister Fantastic for all that. So let's go. So let's make it happen. We got Spidey. We have fucking. We have Hank Pym, and we have Scott Lang, and we got Peter Parker. So like, let's go. We we just need Reed. Let's get Reed in here. I agree with you. Uh, all right. Drum roll number one. Hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> My number one pick. Uh, the heart of the X-Men. I will have to go with the iconic couple. Probably the most tragic couple. But also I has know it. so many good times. One of my favorite superheroes of all time. Bobby knew it. Probably the greatest couple in Marvel history. I'd have to go with one Cyclops and Jean Grey. From, because if this has had the couple... This is the couple that has had the most shit happen to them, and they've stood the fucking test of time. And even now, they're in a, they're still together in current continuity. And they've fucking they've endured so much, like that fucking six feet piece of Canadian bacon we call Wolverine that has tried to clap those cheeks so many times. And Cyclops gets his laser eyes in the way. Fucking Cyclops. He has clapped those cheeks. We don't have to talk about that, all right? He got lucky. They did get together. He got fucking lucky. her because he loved her. He's a fucking piece of shit, and she belonged with Cyclops the whole time. Because Cyclops was a good boyfriend. He belongs to men. Cyclops are getting eaten alive by Wolverine. Cyclops has beaten Wolverine once out of their no, occasions. No. He beat the fuck out of here. He has beaten them once. He has. He has. I can, I'll pull up the issue if you want. He has beat them once. But they fought in way more than that. And it is notoriously not gone Cyclops' way. <laughs> but neither here, that's neither here nor fucking there. This relationship, the Darth, when this relationship went bad, it's one of the big events, biggest events in all of Marvel. They tried to do two fucking movies on it. The Dark Phoenix saga is one of the greatest events in Marvel history, honestly. It's one of the biggest crossovers, especially for, for an X-Men. It's one of the biggest X-Men stories. Uh, and that's all, I mean, that a lot of the emotional heart of that story is fucking this relationship. And that's the X-Men. I mean, the fucking X-Men is a lot of people's favorite thing ever in superhero, just in I superhero culture. People love the fucking X-Men. And to me, how can you not love the X-Men and not love... This relationship. And Wolverine's a badass. You know, he can fuck you. He does whatever he wants to do. But I like him more on his own. And I like these two together. And Cyclops being the leader of the fucking X-Men. That is my classic version. That's the animated version from the 90s. That is the version of the X-Men that I enjoy. And I think of these two together in every incarnation of that. Hell yeah. I yeah, I knew, so I knew there wouldn't be many surprises on that one. But. No, there's not many surprises on my number one either. No, no, there's no fucking surprises on you. <laughs> uh, my number one is definitely uh, old Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. 
thought it was gonna be Ant Man and the Wasp. That's the relationship I grew up watching between a superhero and his alter ego's girlfriend. Like that's Toby Maguire and whatever the hell that other bitch's name is, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. what is her name? <laughs> I don't fucking, I can't hit you. Kirsten Dunst. That, Kirsten Dunst, that's what it Kirsten is. Kirsten Dunst, yes. She was great. Like, that's what I, that's the relationship I grew up watching from the superhero's perspective, is is that. Like, that's always been the one that stuck out to me, Peter. And Spider-Man has always been my number one favorite hero, so I've always thought of Spidey and MJ. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's another one. That, that that's an iconic couple. That's one you think when you think of superheroes and couples, that's probably number two of all time. So I don't blame you for having it number one on your list. That's a great relationship. Great relationship. And he never it's let her. That's why I said like Reed and Susan are the most powerful relationship and the biggest in the Marvel universe. But like my favorites definitely MJ and Peter. Well, yeah, that um, superhero damsel in distress role. That's Peter and Mary all day. Absolutely. Like, that's definitely that has a lot of Superman Lois vibes to it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I I figured. I mean, you can't go with anything else, right? It's got to be those two. got to be. All right. That's our fucking list, dude. Top 10 Marvel relationships. This is a blast. We got to get out of here soon. Uh, we already addressed what we're doing next week. The Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut? The World Breaker or World War Hulk reading assignment, five issues, 2007. Let's get And then our, all of our big reviews next week Planet Hulk, World Breaker, and then Iron Man, Dark Crisis, The Big Bang, Batman vs. Spawn. Let's big fucking week. go. Big week next week. Big episode. Make sure to join us here at the Web Cave, join the Facebook group, and let's fucking get it. Let's go. All right, man. Uh, It was a blast as always. I'll see you next week, and uh, fucking keep reading. Hell yeah. Have a good week. Peace.